You know, it's the Lord's world. We're just living in it. And we're thankful for His goodness to us. Let's take our Bibles this morning and open together to the book of Romans. Romans chapter number 13, as we come to God's Word today, uh, uh, our prayer is that God would help us to continue uh, in our preparation for revival. I believe that revival is possible for God's people even today. And I'm thankful that God's promises are true and that, that uh, He can give life to that which was once alive. You know, there are often times in life where, where our, our passions wane, uh, where the things we've prioritized uh, begin to become rearranged. And I believe it's important that the Lord would help us take inventory of our lives as we prepare for uh, this coming revival meeting with, with Dr. Al Stone. And we're thankful for, uh, for, for the Word of God. We're thankful for the indwelling Spirit of God that shows us our error and points us back in the proper course of direction. But are, do, you, do you want revival? That's the question that, that we pose to you today. Do you personally, do you want revival? You know, what, in order to, to desire revival, or maybe even have revival, we need to understand our need. Do you see a need in your life? Sometimes in our pride, we, we just become so complacent. We think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm so much better than everybody else, and, and I have no need for, for the Lord. Uh, I'm con- and we become pers- uh, just content where we are. But may I tell you, I don't want to be content where I am. I know who I am. I know that I'm a sinful man in need of the Lord. And I know that God can, can breathe fresh life into, into me and into this church as we walk in obedience to His Word. And sometimes we, we procrastinate. Sometimes we, we put off what we know we should do. Uh, years ago, I was watching uh, the Andy Griffith show. And, hey, man. And uh, in just a few weeks, we're going to Mayberry. Or as we go through North Carolina, we always stop in, in Mount Airy, North Carolina, and uh, go to Opie's Candy Shop, and uh, we take our kids and we lock them up in the jail. We contemplate leaving them there, but we decide better, and we take them with us. But anyway, we have, we have a great time. But how many of you remember the, the episode of the Andy Griffith Show? I know this isn't very, maybe not be very sanctified this morning, but when the, when the drifter comes through on the train tracks... And Opie takes a, takes a fancy to this man, and he, they kind of befriend one another. And this, this drifter is teaching Opie to become lazy. He says, why do today what you can do tomorrow? And, but so oftentimes, that's the way we approach life, isn't it? Maybe not so much our work. You know, we, we get up in the morning, we come to work, and we, we put in that required time. But so often our Christian lives begin to, uh, to, to lose their zeal. Our Christian lives begin to lose their effectiveness. Why? Because we are no longer emphasizing what the Lord has emphasized. Now, now, men, I believe it's vitally important and biblical to get up and go to work. The Bible says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good. It's good for man to work. God created work for man. Sometimes we don't enjoy it so much, but we're thankful for it. 
But may I tell you that your work should never replace your time spent with God. Uh, we, shouldn't, we must never substitute activity or in the place of spirituality. We need the Lord, do we not? And as we come to the book of Romans, we find this perhaps to be, as many would refer to it as, the greatest doctrinal treatise of the New Testament. As the Apostle Paul writes, he, he outlines the sinfulness of man, uh, the sovereignty and justice of God, the vicarious atoning work of Christ for all mankind, the means of salvation, which is simple faith in Christ, and the victorious Christian life. Aren't you thankful that you and I can have victory in Jesus today? But as we come to Romans chapter 12, we find it to be the culmination of the book. And from Romans chapter 12, the end of this epistle, we find uh, the, ap the practical application of, the, of this doctrinal message that Paul shares. And as we come to Romans 13, we find God addressing uh, the powers that be, uh, the Christians called to obey out of love, and, and our need to understand the urgency of the hour in which we live. If you're able, I invite you to stand with me this morning as we read together here in God's Word. We're going to begin reading in verse number 11 of Romans chapter 13, and we'll read down the end of the chapter. Notice what the Bible says, beginning in Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 11. The Bible says, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh, to fulfill the lusts thereof. Father, we thank you for the word of God this morning. Lord, we need you. Father, we ask that as we've read this passage of scripture, we pray that you'd open our eyes. That we may behold marvelous things from your law. Lord, may you settle these things in our hearts and minds today that our priorities would be right once again, that Christ would have preeminence in our hearts, in our lives, in our homes, and in this church. Father, that you would help us live victoriously, help us live the Christian life. Lord, there's a difference between the world life and the Christ life. Lord, help us to understand what it takes today to, to live the Christian life. Lord, we pray that you'd speak to us. And Father, that you would help us. Give us your power today. And Lord, if there's someone here who doesn't know the Lord as their Savior, we ask that today would be the day of their salvation. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bibles, I'd like to draw your attention to what the Bible says in verse number 11. In Romans chapter 13, in verse number 11, the Bible says, And that knowing the time, that now, notice the next four words, it is high time. It is high time. 
Church family, it is high time. What does this mean? How many of you have ever heard the statement, it is high time? Uh, there's, there's, uh, I loved watching Western movies with my, with my grandfather growing up. And, you know, there's a difference between high time and high noon, right? But what, is, what does it mean? What is this high time? High time is a time or a point in time at which something desirable or necessary is considered to be utterly overdue or even overdue to occur. Christians, as, as Paul writes here, he's saying that there is something that needs to happen in our lives that should have happened years ago, long ago, and it's past due. But now, may God help us understand what we can do in this very moment. May I tell you, so long as there's breath in these lungs, it's not too late. So long as my heart is still pumping blood through my body, it's not too late. So long as my brain is still functioning, which is debatable at times, I know. So long as there is still life in this body, it's not too late. Christians, it's not too late to get right with God again. It's not too late to turn back to Jesus Christ. It's not too late to reprioritize your life and get back on track. It's not too late to serve the Lord. As a matter of fact, it's high time. It's high time. Will you serve the Lord? Remember what Joshua said as he led the children of Israel into the wild, or, uh, from the, through the wilderness into the promised land and as God brought victory to them. He said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Will you serve the Lord? Well, what will it take? That's our desire. I know you're here this morning. That's, a, that's proof that you desire to live for God. That you want to please the Lord. That you want to do right. But what will it take? I want you to write some things down this morning. Three simple lessons today that I believe will be of utmost, utmost help to us. If we are going to live for God now, if we're going to take advantage of the time that God has given, it's high time. We first know it must be spiritually awake we must be spiritually awake. Look what the Bible says in verse number 11. It says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time, notice, to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. I was, we were out knocking on doors yesterday, over off of 256, uh, trying to distribute as many of those hopeforcolumbus.com flyers as we could. And I met this man, and he opens his door, he comes out, and we're sitting there chatting on his front step, and, and normally I'm the one that asks this question, but he asked me, he says, are you a believer? <laughs> it was good. I said, yes. On January 7th, 1989... I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. 
And may I tell you that according to Romans chapter 13 and verse number 11, that now is our salvation nearer than when we believed? I believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. The Lord knows exactly when He will return. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. But His long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come. Our salvation is nearer than when we believe. At any moment, Jesus Christ could come back. I believe that with all of my heart. And we need to begin living that way. We need to live with that spiritual understanding. We need to be awake spiritually. I want you to look at what the Bible says there again in verse number 11. I believe that in order to be spiritually awake, one of the great, or maybe something that's very helpful, is to, to note what the Bible says at the beginning of the verse. He says, and that knowing the time. Notice that statement there, knowing the time. Knowing the time. What is this time? Well, this know also in the last days perilous times shall come. Why don't you look with me, if you would please, holding your place here. I want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. In 2 Timothy chapter number 3, we find a great description given by the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of God uh, of these last days in which you and I have lived. And, and may I tell you, we've been in the last days since Christ went back to heaven. Yeah. But the Bible says this in verse number 1 of 2 Timothy chapter 3, This know also that in the last days which we live, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. We are living, that is the spirit of the age, is it not? You and I, we need to understand that even though the, the night is far spent, and that the darkness of the world seems to be uh, just permeating our society, the darker the night, the brighter the light. I want you to look with me, if you would please, in the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapter number 5, as Jesus gives his great sermon on the mount there along the slopes of, of Galilee, he makes a statement concerning his people. The Bible says this in verse number 13. Of Matthew chapter 5, he says, But ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. May I tell you that the Christian life has an effect. Your life should be effective. And if it's not effective, it's high time for it to be effective once again. And the Bible goes on to say, 
In verse number 15 it says, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but it on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. In verse 16, notice what he says. He says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Christians, you and I, in order to live a life that glorifies and honors the Lord, we must first be spiritually awake, knowing the time. I'm reminded of a, of a family in the Old Testament. In 1 Chronicles chapter 12, we find uh, the descriptions of David's mighty men. Oh, I love to read the accounts of David's mighty men. Uh, how these just valiant men fought for their king. And God wrought great victory uh, after victory. They, we find the classifications of his mighty men. Their rank, the, uh, their responsibility. Uh, the men that they had under them. Uh, and any mighty feats that God accomplished through their lives. But in, in First, Chron- uh, First Chronicles chapter 12, in ver- uh, verse number 32, we find... Uh, the names, or the name of a family, the Bible says, and the children of Issachar. And they had, uh, to David, there was a family of these, this, of the, the family of Issachar, the children of Issachar. Notice what the Bible says, which were men that had understanding of the times. Do you and I, do we possess an understanding of the times? So here we have these men who came to David they were, uh, they were unsatisfied with what was taking place in their world. Consider uh, what, uh, what, they had, uh, what they had seen. They recognized the perils of their society. Uh, they sensed the hopelessness of the people. They watched the failure of their political system. And they sorrowed in the suffering of the people as they experienced defeat after defeat after defeat after defeat. King Saul was in charge when these sons of Issachar assembled themselves unto David. They understood. They they knew the times. They they knew that something had to happen. And they Christians, we are living in that moment of history when something needs to happen. It's high time. Do you understand? Notice what else the Bible says there in verse 32, 1 Chronicles chapter 12. It says, which were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. To know what we ought to do, we need to understand what's going on around us. There is so much... So many things taking place in our world today are perilous. Revival can happen. Convinced of it. But we must be awake. We must understand the times. We must know what God would have us do. We must be spiritually awake. Would you look with me back in Matt and Romans Chapter 13. You know what? We need to... We need to be abandoned unto Christ. 
Is your life abandoned unto Christ? So, well, Pastor, what does that even mean? Do you want what God wants more than what you want? Do you want what God wants more than your preference? Do you want what God wants more than, than your idea? Do you want what God wants above what you want for yourself? May I tell you that God, He said to His people, He says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. To give you an expected end. Friends, know this, that that God will never ask of you anything harmful for you. He's never going to tell you to do something that's going to hurt you. It may hurt to do it, but in the end, it will always be the best. I found that in my life, the right decisions to make are oftentimes the most difficult decisions to make. But in the end, they're blessed of the Lord. Be spiritually awake. Notice the second lesson we see here back in Romans chapter 13. Is that we need to be properly attired. Properly attired. Look what the Bible says in verse 12. The Bible says the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. It is high time to not only become spiritually awake, but to be clothed properly as a Christian. And I'm not talking about physical clothing, although I, I believe in them. I believe that a man should dress like a man. I believe that, that, uh, that ladies should dress like ladies, just... Uh, the world is full of confusion. Let us be part of the solution, not the problem. But at a very spiritual level, are we, are we robed in worldliness or are we robed in Christ? You see, the battle is real. The world, the flesh, the devil. Now, the Bible says in John chapter 10 and verse 10 that the thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said that he's come that, he, that we might have life. That we might have it more abundantly. But are you tired of becoming defeated? You know we're defeated oftentimes because we make provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Unite, we set ourselves up to fail. The Lord does not. The Lord tempts no man with evil. 
Temptation does not come from God. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is neither variableness nor shadow of turning. God is faithful, the Lord is good. The temptation comes, but what does Paul tell the church of Corinth? With the temptation, the Lord also gives a way of escape. We don't have to sin. As God's people, we choose to sin. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, Wherefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'm become spiritually alive. Although I still carry my flesh with me everywhere I go, my flesh is still alive. My old man is ever with me. I drag him like a ball and chain everywhere I go. But the Lord, He wants you to to disregard that old man and put on the new. You take that grimy stuff off, cast it aside, and put on that new man, which is Jesus. He says, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. What do you struggle with? What's your besetting sin? Don't answer it out loud. We don't want anybody to know. What is your besetting sin? What's the one area of your life that you struggle the most with? Is it your thoughts? Is it lust? Is it pride? Is it worry? Is it gossip? What is it? Don't make provision for that. Don't nurture that. Don't feed that. Look what the Bible says. Hold your place here and turn with me quickly, please. The book of Colossians. Colossians chapter number 3. Actually, let's begin in chapter 2. You see, you and I, we fight from victory. You are more than conquerors through him that loved us. As Christians, we do not fight for victory. We're not fighting as defeated people. We're fighting as victorious people. We are fighting from victory. And the Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 13, it says, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened, hath he made alive, together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against you, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Because of Jesus' triumph, you are triumphant. We are victorious in Jesus. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior, forever! But notice what we must do. 
just knowing it isn't enough. We must live it. Therefore, what must we do? We must be properly attired. Friends, I'm a new man. Therefore, I should stop living like an old man. Like my old man. I'm getting older. I say things that my dad says. <laughs> Beginning to look more like him every day. I remember years ago, I was walking down the street of our hometown. My dad used to own some, a business there, and he was well-known in the community. And we're walking down this road, the main street of town, and, and uh, one of his customers slows down, rolls down his window, and hollers out at us, Hey, look, the Doublemint Twins! Thanks. <laughs> okay. Man, Dad, that was a great compliment. <laughs> but anyhow, all kidding aside, we look here and we see what you and I are to do. We're not to live according to our flesh, our old man, our former self. We're new. We're the new creature. We've been born again of God's Spirit. And the Bible says this in chapter 3 and verse 1, If ye then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For we, that are, uh, for we are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, uh, evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. I like we said, this is past tense, when ye lived in them. Right? This is, forget about that, that's, it's gone, it's high time, We're, we've moved on here. I, I used to be that. I used to do those things, but not anymore, because I'm a child of God. And that, that life is over. I now have a life of abundance, of joy and peace and satisfaction, a life of hope and fulfillment that is only found in Christ. And the Bible goes on to say, in verse number 8, it says, But now ye also put off these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. And notice verse 10, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Who created you? The Lord Jesus Christ. We are to be like Jesus. Stop living the world life. Don't feed that. Stop making provision for those things. Live after the one who created you. Pursue the Lord. May I tell you that holiness is not the goal. At least it's not my goal. My goal is Jesus. And I, I, I've said it many times now, but too often we make the byproduct of the goal. Jesus is the goal, and he makes us what we need to be. He says, follow me. Remember we told uh, Peter, follow me and I will make you? Fishers of men. But if we follow him, he's going to help us become holy. He's going to help us become sanctified. He's going to help us be surrendered. He's going to help us be serving. He's going to help us be soul winning. Friends, understand this. Jesus Christ makes us what we need to be. Put him on. Put him on. Be clothed in him. 
Look back in Romans chapter 13 and notice here. It says, The night is far spent. The day is at hand, verse 12. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Walk honestly as in the day. Not in rioting. What does this mean? Not in rioting and drunkenness. Not carousing around. Not giving intoxication. Not in chambering and wantonness. It's talking about cohabitation and fornication. Not in strife and, and envying. Not in petty jealousy and infighting. No, put on the new man. Be clothed in, in Jesus Christ. Notice finally this morning, look what the Bible says. You know, it's high time. It's high time. It's past, it's, it's past due. Be spiritually awake. Be properly attired. But notice finally, be faithfully active. Be faithfully active. Look what the Bible says in verses 13 and 14. It says, let us walk. Let us walk. As in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. It's time for us to, to walk. Have you... It's been a while since I've tried to say this correctly. But your walk talks and your talk talks. But your walk talks louder than your talk talks. It's time to, 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 to be faithfully active. Faithfully active in your Christian life. You know what that involves? It involves a local church. Be faithful to church. I know you're here Sunday morning. I will allow just this once to pat yourself on the back. You can go ahead and do it. But I hope you can come back tonight. I hope you come Thursday night. I want you to write this down. I want you to write down this statement. The best thing I can do for and with my family. The best thing I can do for and with my family is go to church. It's true. We undermine what God wants to do in our lives when we neglect the thing He loves the most. We know how much the Lord loves church. Why? Because He gave Himself for it. We must be active. We've got to be involved. We need to be participants in God's work. Friends, it's high time, is it not? It is high time. And the world is not getting better. And nor will it. But God has opened a door. 
given us great opportunity to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Today is the best, the best day ever to live for Christ and to serve Him with your life. We can't, we can't look back to the old, the good old days. Were there even such a thing? We need to take advantage of now and live for God today. Walk honestly as in the day. It's far spent. Time is running short. You and I must seize every opportunity that God has given for His glory. Christians, it's high time. Let's be spiritually awake. Let us be properly attired. And let us be faithfully active. Only one life will soon be passed. And only what's done for Christ will last. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I invite you to stand with me this morning in just a moment. We'll have a time of invitation. But if God has spoken to your heart today, won't you come, pray? I wonder how many of us would, would leave our, our seats and come this morning and pray for revival. It is high time. You know, all that we need comes from the Lord. All the difficulties of life, every, everything that we face, every, every problem, every question, every frustration, the solution is found in Jesus. Won't you seek the Lord with me this morning? Revival, it's real. And it's high time. How many of us here this morning say, Pastor, pray for me. God would help me be awake to the things of this world. Awake spiritually and understand the significance of my life. Is that you? May I pray with you this morning? Yeah. Right where you are. Right where you sit. Right where you stand. Won't you ask God to help you be awake? Discern the time to know what to do right. The proper decisions to make. For your life, for your family. What about this? Are you, are you clothed in Christ today? Or are you making provision for the flesh? We need victory, but we, we oftentimes hurt our own selves. We're our, we are our own worst enemy. Is that you? you say, Pastor, pray for me. I don't want to make provision for the flesh. Is that you? Yeah. Yeah, may God help us. What are those things in your life? Ask God to help you guard against them. Ask a friend help you be accountable. May the Lord give us victory. May the Lord give us help. Are you active for the Lord? Or what are you doing for Christ? Don't rely upon what you did yesterday. You know what? Yesterday's gone. You'll never have that back. Let's stop living in the past. Let's live now. This is the life that God has given us today. What are you doing for Christ today? Will you make the things of God priority? Will you live your life for Jesus Christ? 
How many of you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need to be more active. Is that you? I need to be more involved. God can do it. Won't you ask Him? Ask Him to help you make Christ preeminent in your life. Bring your family to church, not just on Sunday mornings. Though I commend you for being here on Sunday morning. The best thing you can do is come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night. May God help us. As the piano plays, if God has spoken to your heart, won't you come? Ask God for victory today. Ask God for revival because it is high time. The Lord wants to do a work and He is working. But He's waiting for us to make the first move. How many of us here this morning with uplifted hand would say, you know without a doubt that heaven is your home? Can you raise your hand? I know without question if I died, I'd go to heaven. Is that you? Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. Let me put your hands down. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure that if I were to die today that I would go to heaven. Can I pray for you? I'm not going to ask you to, to raise your hand. I just want you to look up at me. Is there anybody like that this morning? Make eye contact with me. Is there anybody here? Know that God loves you. And that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to pay the penalty for our sin, to rise in victory from the grave. And He offers salvation to all who will come to Him by faith. Won't you settle that today? If you're here, if you have any doubts, come see me. Talk to one of us. We'll show you from the Bible, from God's Word, how you can be saved. Lord, we pray today that you give us your help. Lord, that you'd strengthen us that you'd help us understand the urgency of this hour. Lord, it is high time. Lord, please send revival. Lord, may you, may you root these, these principles in our lives today. Help us not soon forget them. Lord, we pray for victory. We pray for your power and your blessing. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. At this time, I'd like to ask Brother Jim Bossy to come, who just sat down. We've got, he wants to play, there's a video. That he asks that we play the video first. Since 2000, membership in Houses of Worship has dropped 20%, down to only 47% of Americans. Every year, thousands of churches all across the country close their doors permanently due to a lack of support. After many years of witnessing the importance of Christ's saving grace, Jim Bossy and his wife Lois prayed that the Lord would direct them in using a majority of their God-provided personal funds to work for His honor and glory. 
Through prayer and counsel with independent fundamental Baptist church pastors, they decided to focus on assisting church plants in a way no other organization has done so before. On April 30, 2001, they held an organizational meeting to form the Jehovah Jireh Foundation. They decided it would be a helps ministry that would support already established churches by assisting them in acquiring their first permanent sanctuary building. To guide them toward this purpose, an all-volunteer board of directors and advisory board were established to include learned pastors and Christian leaders with a combined background of over 500 years of Christian experience. It is a fact that owning their own building is one of the most important tools a church can have. It gives them a permanent presence in the community and encourages visitors to return. The Jehovah Jireh Foundation grants funds to church applicants to help them financially get out of temporary facilities and into their own permanent buildings. Using established guidelines and an application process based on membership numbers, church location, and current financial status, the board members discern which churches will most benefit from receiving a grant. Board members meet twice a year to review applications and approve grants in January and July. The foundation's support comes from the generosity of like-minded churches and individuals and an established endowment fund set up to be perpetual. Harbor Light Baptist Church was founded 20 years ago, uh, June of 2000. We are a fundamental, independent, King James Bible-believing, soul-winning Baptist church. We just want to get the gospel to the world and teach sound doctrine, teach the Bible, and uh, love people. So that's the kind of church we are. Over these 20 years, we've had building funds, but we're not really able to save a whole lot towards purchasing our first property. When we heard of Jehovah Jireh, that was a godsend. When we found out, I announced it to our church, I believe it was on a Sunday morning, and they were just ecstatic to think of what God has done. So we've raised the funds needed for the down payment. Also, we've already raised funds to remodel this sanctuary here that we're in, as well as some other parts of the building. And so a giant head start for us, and we thank the Lord for their investment in our church. Less than 25% of the U.S. population attends any house of worship regularly, and that includes all religions. 80% of the churches we assist double in attendance within the first 12 months after receiving a grant. My name is Peter Chamberlain, and I'm the pastor of Granite State Baptist Church here in Concord, New Hampshire. God put Concord upon our hearts. And so we moved here in August of 2013 and then started our first services the second Sunday of September. We were always renting multiple rooms or renting a bigger room to be able to fit the congregation inside. As long as you're in a rented facility, as long as you're in a conference center situation or something, there's no roots inside that community. It's not putting down that, that foundation for the community to know that, okay, you're here to stay. And so we knew that God was going to have to provide. And God brought Jehovah Jireh in with that first check to be able to start doing the construction of this building inside the metal shell. The USA is the third largest mission field in the world, with Indonesia at number two and India at number one. There are over 330 million souls in the USA that need Christ as their Lord and Savior. 
the Jehovah Jireh Foundation approved its first grants for 12 churches in January of 2002. With more grants approved each year since then, the Lord has enabled hundreds more churches to be assisted. When a church receives a grant, the church body gets excited and feels the Lord is blessing them. They then lift up their pastor in support and give more of their own time and money. My name is Mike Elstock. I pastor the Community Baptist Church. We're located in Northern Virginia. We established a church that we desired that it would grow into a congregation that was very family focused and family centered. One of the biggest challenges to overcome is a location to meet. We had already purchased the property. The challenge was to get enough money to be able to break ground and build the facility. After running successive successful giving campaigns in which our people sacrificed so deeply, we were still a significant amount of money short of being able to qualify for the construction loan and break ground and start building the building. We had nowhere to turn. We had done everything possible. We were begging God for a miracle. And it was at that time that God used Jehovah Jireh Ministries to approve a grant that met that need and enabled us to move forward immediately with the construction loan and the breaking of ground. We were ecstatic. It was a game changer in the life of Community Baptist Church. The number of souls saved through assisted churches is in the millions and grows every day. Only the Lord knows the exact number. These assisted churches are now each supporting 30 plus missionaries and that number grows every time we approve a grant. Remember, churches start churches and raise up pastors. The Lord has blessed this ministry far beyond anything we could have ever imagined, and we give Him the praise and glory for all that has been accomplished through His grace and according to His will. We know the Jehovah Jireh Foundation is different from any other ministry and the need for it is great. Just ask any pastor that has started a church from the ground up or has received a grant from us. Remember the Lord's Great Commission, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. Please prayerfully consider yoking with us to be a blessing to more and more churches, helping them grow and become lighthouses for lost souls. To God be the glory. Happy new glory. May all the glory and honor be the Lord's. Amen. Good morning. My name is Jim Bossy. I'm with the Jehovah Jireh Ministries. I'd like to thank the pastor and the church for allowing us the opportunity to show our DVD, <coughs> DVD and give testimony of the Jehovah Jireh Ministries. One thing I want to make clear before I get started, I am not a preacher. <laughs> so, <laughs> I get to it, but I will stumble. <laughs> the Lord has blessed this ministry far beyond anything my wife and I could ever imagine. We give him the praise and glory for all that's been accomplished through his grace and according to his will. For several years, my wife and I prayed what he would have us do with the funds that he had allowed us to have. Now, um, most people consider leaving their money to their children, 
But we heard a pastor say he wouldn't leave his children a dime if they were not living for Christ. Ours weren't. Um, so my wife did not want to leave them anything. Well, we did not do that. We left them something. But the only thing they'll get, they will not get a lump sum of money. They'll get a check every month. And when that, when they expire, then that goes into ministry. Um, we prayed about and counseled with pastors about forming a ministry to be a ministry in which we could contribute the majority of our assets. And through prayer and counsel, the Lord directed us to start and go, go forward with the Jehovah Jireh ministry. This happened on April 30th, 2001. The first thing we had to do was state the purpose of the ministry. It was decided that it would be a helps ministry, helping an already established church uh, to purchase a building and get out of the storefronts. That's what our main interest was, out of the storefronts and out of the warehouse. A church having their own building is one of the most important tools that they can have and that gives them a permanent presence in the community if you ever go to a storefront church and go in somewhere in that process, you're going to ask, how long is he going to make it? Whereas, if they own the building, there's no question they'll be there in the next six months, the next six years, and the next 20 years. So people don't mind giving or investing their monies into a... a a church if they know it's going to be there. Uh, you know, I'm going to interrupt, interrupt myself here. Rosa. Have you ever asked yourself what the what would the Lord have you do in life? Now. I was one of the most unlucky candidates to do something like I'm doing as anyone in the, more so than anyone in this room. I was uh, born into a Catholic family, so I inherited the Catholic faith. I went to 12 years of their schools. My family was a dysfunctional family. Once I got out of school, I went into service, come out of service, and the only thing I did was I started drinking when I was 15. I got out of service. I was a much better drinker because now I can do it seven days a week and not just weekends. So, but, and I lived that life. Going in and out of bars, I always took pride in myself. I never missed a day's work. Thought I was doing something special. But I got married at 35. Now, I had, my wife's mother was a good Christian woman. And uh, she would never ask us for anything. It was, for her birthday, it was take me to church. For Christmas, it was take me to church. For whatever day she could trump up, it was take me to church. She wouldn't, she wouldn't open the Bible. I, I can't give, give an explanation for that, but take me to church. Well, after about 10, 15 years of that, 
And after about two years of waking up every day, wondering what life was all about, what's the purpose of getting out of bed? Now, I wasn't living for Christ, but the Lord did bless us and allowed us to accumulate um, a few hours. And we weren't wealthy people. We were better off than most, but um, we wondered why the Lord was doing that and allowed us to do it. But anyway, um, I went to church with my mother-in-law and uh, I asked the pastor, um, what's the reason for living? He says, you live for Christ. I says, I've never heard that. Now I went to 12 years of, of Christian school and never heard it. I, I don't think, well, I know I've never read it. I never owned the Bible, much less read it. And that was really one of the things I noticed more than anything else was the first time I heard the Bible. But anyway, he tells me, you live for Christ. I said, never heard it. Went home, stayed on my mind, my heart. And Thursday, I says, I'm going to find out what he's talking about. So I got hold of the Bible, started to read it, and I'll tell you, I read for about an hour. After an hour, I put it down. I said, Lord, something's wrong. I'm trying to learn about you, but I'm not getting a thing. And I'll tell you, a voice spoke to me. and says, you haven't asked forgiveness of your sins or invite them into your life. Well, I thought about that for, I don't know, couple seconds, minutes, whatever it was. I said, Lord, if that's what it takes, that's what I'll do. So I did it. I asked forgiveness of my sins. I asked them into my life, and I asked them to take charge of my life because my life was out of control. And my life turned around that day. Amen. I didn't conquer all my sins in one day, but I started to work on them. And that, it probably, well, I'm, I'm a sinner today. <laughs> but after we saved about 10 years, that's when we started to ask myself what to do with the funds that the Lord allowed us. And he put the Jehovah Jireh ministry on our hearts. And we've been working at it ever since. Now, my wife did die in 06, so I've been doing this the last 21 years by myself. Or last 16 years, rather. And the Lord keeps blessing and blessing. You know, um, He's allowed us to assist over 260 churches. And number of souls saved through these churches. No idea. But I know it's in the millions. And uh, it just... It's like 1,700 missionaries these churches are supporting. And it goes on and on like that. And why? He would use someone like myself to do this ministry. It's beyond my imagination. I'm not deserving of it. I wasn't then. I can't say I am today because I'm still a sinner. And I go on doing it. And uh, 
this year we're going to meet in July, and um, we'll have about five hundred thousand dollars a gift. But this year we'll give about a million fifty thousand dollars away. Uh, we'll, um, January we made ten uh, approved ten grants, and we'll probably do that again in July. But uh, we just we grow through His grace, according to His will. And now, you know, everything we have belongs to the Lord. And um, really, what does He ask back? He asks ten percent. Ten percent is not much. I'm there I, I'd like to encourage everyone to, to remember the Lord in their estate planning I think we all give at least 25% back to the Lord that is to the local church that's where he serving the Lord living for the Lord is grassroot living he wants us all to be taking his word out to, to, to the lost. That's the, the whole purpose. I mean, um, for those of you who have gotten saved late in life, later in life, I should say, we recognize the real difference between living in the world and living for Christ. The, when you're living in the world, it's nobody. But you, yeah. everything is me, me, me. Living for Christ, everything should be his. I'm his servant. I want to be used by the Lord. How can I be? The Lord use me. Well, we can pray that the Lord use you all day long. But until you stand up and do something about it, you'll still be sitting there saying, Lord, use me. But we got to put feet to those prayers, to yeah. those thoughts. Amen. And uh, I'm just thankful the Lord burned our, our lives with this ministry. Where I would be today, I have no idea because I, I, but would I ever had a reason to stop drinking? I don't know. But I know the Lord gave me a reason to live and that's to serve Him. I'm here today asking the different churches to uh, support. Uh, when we first started the ministry, we, we thought we put we had a 32,000 square foot shopping center we put it in the ministry. We thought that's the rents would not be enough to do, take care of this thing forever. Well, it took us about three years to realize that was not true. When you're giving away money, it's people come out of the woodworks. Our, our biggest concern is putting, putting the monies where it can be used for the Lord. So that's, we decide once we figured out we didn't have enough money, who do you turn to when you don't have money? We turn to his people. Like-minded people other Christians and that's what we've done um, 
first year we had $250,000 on hand for grants. Like this year we'll give over a million dollars out. And that's growing every year. But the Lord's growing it through who? His people. And we ask you to support us as you would a missionary that is on a monthly basis. Individuals who the Lord has blessed, like anything else, when the Lord gives you more, He expects more. So, I want to thank you for this time. And I pray that, that uh, you'll give us some thought, take it to the Lord in prayer, and just do what He would have you do. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And Brother Boss, if you'll please stand by the back door here. Whoop, sorry. Uh, oh, if you'll please stand by that by the door there. We want to greet you on our way out this morning.